You're listening to the Choosing Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Robison. Every day we have the choice to walk in the freedom Christ offers or to lay it down in surrender to something other than the abundant life we are meant to live. God is actively pursuing you. He has an amazing plan for your life, and that plan includes walking in freedom. The Choosing Freedom Podcast is a place for us to discuss how we strategically apply the truth of who God says we are to the lies we believe and the challenges we face. So bring your brokenness, insecurities, and whatever holds you back and join us for authentic conversations about real issues, real hope, and real life change. The very first thing I want to say to you today is great job being intentional. This is how we win. In the middle of everything else we have going on, we say, I want more, more of the good things, and I'm going after it. Then we purposely expose ourselves to something that points us in the direction we want to go. We listen to a podcast or music or something that encourages us and points us toward truth. You are equipped to fulfill a very specific calling. You have a race to run. And you know what? It does not have to look like anyone else's, but you are the only one who can finish your race. You're the only one who can live out your purpose. In Ephesians 4, there's a verse that says, perhaps you were created for such a time as this, for such a time as this right now, wherever that finds you, no matter what you're doing in this moment, whether your right now looks like you thought it would at this point or not, you're meant to be here. There's a reason you're where you are today. And when I say today, I don't mean just the in general form of today, as in during this season of life. I'm talking literally today. Here's my first question for you. What are you saying yes to today? What is your commitment for the next few hours? You may be thinking, well, that seems like a shallow question considering all I have to do today. But I'm asking you to crack the shell on that thought process. The one that says you have no choices today. The one that's dictating your mindset and maybe putting blinders on your focus. You may be headed into work or juggling kids' schedules or cramming for a big test or spending hours on a project deadline, or maybe you're feeling completely unmotivated or uninspired. The possibilities are endless for where your thoughts may be trying to go. But let me assure you, you will say yes to certain things today, and in so doing, you will also say no to some other things, intentionally or unintentionally planned or unplanned. So let's get intentional. Ready or not, we're running a race, but it's not necessarily a race of speed, but more of endurance. So which lane are you choosing to run in today? Zig Ziglar said, what you do today can change all the tomorrows of your life. On our last podcast, we discussed resting and perseverance. Today, let's break that open and talk about one of the reasons we often find ourselves worn out, and not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Let's talk about running our race. There's a cool verse in Hebrews 12 that says, Now that we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I researched who was included in the great cloud of witnesses, and from what I understand, it's referring to the people mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, which is also known as the Hall of Faith. That chapter is full of references to Bible stories of faith, faith that showed up in unlikely places and that came before miracles or impactful events happened. 
So basically, the great cloud of witnesses includes people who trusted God in hard situations when there was no other form of real hope. And God showed up in these huge ways. Okay, so we have an idea who the witnesses were. Moving on to the next part. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Notice scripture doesn't mix words. It doesn't say if you have things that hinder you or sometimes sin may try to entangle you. This verse says, throw off everything that does hinder and the sin that does so easily entangle. It's telling us we are going to have to pay attention. There's going to be hindering and entangling. Throw that stuff off. So let's think about what some of those hindrances and entanglements may look like. It could be as simple as distractions, or it could be sin patterns, unhealthy habits, maybe relationships that lead us in a less than positive direction. Maybe they're just plain toxic relationships. There's shame, guilt, feelings of brokenness, bitterness, jealousy, unforgiveness, constantly feeling dissatisfied. That's a real distraction if we're never content. Think about what distracts you. What distracts you from doing the next thing that has purpose? What may you need to throw off? Oh, and notice it doesn't say brush it off. It says throw. Get that hindrance away from you. Is it a defeated mindset? Are there thoughts that you don't have what it takes to move to the next level? Do you focus on your failures and disappointments more than on your purpose and giftings? If this is a struggle for you, don't beat yourself up about that. That struggle is real. Recognize it as a scheme of the devil to jack up your thinking. Grab 2 Corinthians 10.5 as your weapon and ask God to take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Him. Ask God to make you aware of the hindrances you're dealing with today. Ask Him to remove any spiritual blinders that would keep you from recognizing obstacles or entanglements that may be pulling you off course out of the lane you're created to run in. Don't miss the part that you're created to do incredible things God prepared in advance for you to do, Ephesians 2.10. The last part of the verse says, run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, our race, no one else's race, our lane, in our race. Think about what you're thinking about. What's our focus? Don't believe the lie that we don't have time to be intentional. I hear the same one every day. We can become more intentional in the small things and the big things. Zechariah 4.10 tells us not to despise small beginnings because the Lord rejoices when He sees the work begin. So we aren't going to make an excuse why we can't start something new, something small. Yes, we all have obligations that fill our hours, but we carry our identity in Christ into those moments with us. Our obligations may not seem like places where our identity in Christ can shine, but wherever our feet are planted today is our mission field. You are equipped for the next thing God designed for you. Don't even entertain those negative thoughts that are trying to get you to believe otherwise. Pray and ask God to remind you to seek Him first, first in the mundane, first in the busy, in the overwhelming, even the unexpected. Scripture tells us we are chosen fearfully and wonderfully made, equipped to accomplish His purposes. I am so excited to talk to you about your equipping for this race because you have been given gifts to run your race, to successfully stay in your lane, to be a person of impact. Let's go ahead and address that waking up feeling gifted doesn't usually come naturally. That's okay because we don't base everything on our emotions, right? They're too unpredictable. So let's get real here. We have all been given gifts. 
and they're all important gifts. Does your schedule allow for the use of your gifts? No matter how young or old you are, your gifting is meant to glorify God and to bless other people. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Do not let anyone look down on you because of your youth, but set an example by what you say, the way you live, in your love, faith, and purity. Christine Kane had a social media post that said, For those feeling you're too old and have missed it, I want to remind you that age is never a hindrance to fulfilling the purposes of God. There are no best if used by dates when it comes to the promises of God. There is no such thing as being too old to fulfill the purpose for which you were created. In fact, God specializes in using highly unlikely people to fulfill His purposes, the kind of people others overlook, discard, dismiss, or ignore. Your latter days can be more fruitful than your former. Jesus is worthy of every last ounce of energy expended for His glory on this earth. Maybe you haven't been giving much time to thinking about what your gifts are or how to use them. Here's where the little changes can come in. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the different kinds of gifts God gives to His children and how all of them are important. The verbiage seems kind of funny to me because this isn't how we would actually talk today, but verse 14 says, The body is made up of many parts. Now, if the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, each one of them, just as He wanted them to be. And the scriptures go on to say how each part matters. The body is incomplete without all the different parts. This scripture confirms there are many different parts to the body of Christ and all are important. I love verses 22 and 23 that says those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are in fact indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. Thank God we have biblical confirmation that we don't have to be just like anyone else. Our gifts and abilities are all different, yet all important. I'm not suited to run in all of the lanes of all of the races. That's a relief to me. Somebody needs to hear that you don't have to look at the person in the lane next to you. It doesn't matter what their race looks like. They may have been suited with different running shoes than you. They may have a longer, smoother stride than you do. Their calves may be brute forces to contend with, and you may feel like they have an unfair advantage. We have to stop comparing ourselves to the person in the next lane. It's distracting. It's self-defeating. Even if we feel we've edged ahead of them, what good does that knowledge really do us? And if they seem to be accomplishing more than we are, how much time are we willing to surrender to wishing that was different? Brene Brown said, stay in your own lane. Comparison kills creativity and joy. If we get hung up on how someone else seems to have an equipping we would rather have, or we waste our time deciding that their gift is somehow superior to ours, we waste our time and our purpose. And comparison tends to make us feel competitive. We never have to dim another person's candle to make ours burn brighter. And from that same perspective, my light isn't dimmed by yours. In our identity in Christ, we are safe to cheer each other on. We have to keep our focus on who Jesus created us to be. Who does Jesus say you are? Equipped, chosen, set apart, redeemed, beloved. You are positioned for impact. 
the person next to you is positioned for impact. Both are valuable. Both are needed. Here's a little reality check. Try this. Encourage someone else who is doing what you want to do. It's a very revealing process when you do that. And it's humbling. It calls to the surface any feelings you may have that don't enhance your character. Wear closed-toed shoes, my friends, because you will step all over your own toes if you're willing to do this. But it will stretch you and show you opportunities for personal growth. Because letting go of comparison sets you freer than you ever were before. And it also gives the other person permission to let their competitive guard down and feel appreciated and valued. Because trust me, they're dealing with their own set of struggles you and I know nothing about. Romans 12, 6 through 8 tells us, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Whether it's the gift of prophecy, the gift of serving, teaching, being generous, leadership, being merciful, being cheerful, all of these are giftings. The gifts God has given us are meant for others, not for ourselves. Mark Batterson says, Potential is God's gift to us, and making the most of it is our gift back to God. And anything less than that results in regret. Please don't sacrifice your individual giftings on the altar of fitting in. Because your race is meant to take you places God planned before you were conceived, places you haven't even imagined yet. Here's another slight paraphrase by Mark Batterson. Our biggest regret will be the time, talent, and treasures that we did not give back to God. Pray and ask God to show you if you're stewarding your time and talents wisely. Ask Him to show you new ways to incorporate the gifts He has given you. And let's be real. Sometimes we need a lane change, a course correction. If we've been gifted with ice skates and we try to use them to climb a mountain that was meant for someone else, someone who had been gifted with hiking boots, we are going to wind up absolutely exhausted and completely frustrated. And we are probably going to get pretty bruised and banged up. We don't swing golf clubs at baseballs and we don't dribble footballs. We need to understand our equipping, what we are wired for. And distractions can quickly draw us outside our lane. It's so easy to take on responsibilities that were not intended to be ours, that belong to someone else, that someone else is actually designed to do. We get caught in cycles that become second nature. They wear us out and leave us depleted and empty and looking for the next thing to fill that space of frustration and to self-soothe because we aren't operating out of our gifts. And then we have a whole other thing to contend with. Remember our enemy. Our adversary is roaming around looking for someone to devour, seeking to steal, kill, and destroy our purpose and our peace and our impact. Being tired and exhausted from running after stuff that's not ours to pursue doesn't leave us with much to invest in the people and the things we are meant to influence. So what is our goal? Are we trying to please a certain person or live up to a certain standard the world is telling us is our measuring stick? Are we striving for affirmation? Are we comparing? Are we secretly feeling envy or jealousy? Maybe we feel like we're not good enough or accomplished enough or intelligent enough because we aren't where we thought we would be at this point in life. Nowhere in scripture will you find Jesus bashing people or shaming them for being less than. He always, always, always encouraged them to live to the potential he saw in them. Do not buy into the lies that contradict who God says you are. Throw that stuff off. Remember, our enemy is crafty and strategic. He wants us to lose focus. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, 
To be yourself in a world that's constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. Let's take a quick glance at other things that can cause us to overextend ourselves into lanes that are not meant for us. Maybe you're a yes person. Oh my goodness, I spent so many years as a yes person. Some of the most exhausting years of my life and my heart was in the right place, but I jumped into lanes that were not meant for me, all in the name of not offending anyone or being perceived as though I wasn't helpful or caring or kind. I thought I was doing the right thing and there were times I was, but I didn't know how to be discerning. I was more focused on not hurting anyone's feelings than I was saying yes to the right things and no to the things I wasn't designed to do. I don't think I had ever had that perspective before that some things were not meant for me. Especially as a Christian, I felt like I wasn't really allowed to decline certain requests because that may seem rude and not helpful. Therefore, someone might judge me as not really Christian enough. So yes, I filled my plate to overflowing under the cloak of people-pleasing. Anybody else? The thought that we have to agree to everything others ask us to do because we love Jesus or because we're trying to be this amazing person is unreasonable. I was listening to an episode of the Passion and Purpose podcast hosted by Louis Giglio, and he was interviewing Lisa Turkhurst. The episode is from August 2023 and is titled, When Hardship Threatens to Sink You. I highly recommend it. But in the podcast, Lisa talks about dealing with lots of different requests from people. She talks about the importance of avoiding bankrupting ourselves to the point that we are no good to anybody, especially the people closest to us. And she goes on to say that she has a script that she planned ahead of time for graciously responding to requests that she could not accommodate. Her response went something like this. Dear Sally, thank you so much for thinking of me with this opportunity. While my heart says yes, 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 the reality of my time makes this a no. I cannot do that, but I can do this particular thing. Or either she just says the reality of my time is a no. And then she says, thank you for understanding. Love, Lisa. I found that so liberating. I really relate to what she says here because I always want people to know that I appreciate being thought of and being given certain opportunities, even if I can't always do all the things. We can very easily commit ourselves to good things and completely miss the opportunities to do the best things. One of the most valuable comments that I have ever heard when it comes to discerning how we spend our time and what we agree to take on is that every time we say yes to one thing, we say no to something else. We want to say no to things that are not our assignments. Someone else is meant for that assignment. It may not be you or me, so we have to get out of their way. It's their opportunity for growth, their blessing. We are no less Christian, no less a good person for saying no. We have to know our capacity to give ourselves away. Sometimes we don't have choices about what we must do in certain seasons, but sometimes we do. Sometimes we follow a path of least resistance or we're carried by the river of daily living in a direction we never planned to go. And one day we look up and we feel so far off course, it doesn't seem realistic to even attempt a course correct. Sometimes we don't want to do what it takes to make the change. Sometimes we get stuck, but it seems like doing what it would take to get unstuck is just too difficult. T.D. Jakes said, sometimes your ego will make you be loyal to a mistake. I thought that was a gutsy comment because it takes courage to admit we may need to change directions. Maybe we were wrong. Maybe we weren't really doing a wrong thing, but still we weren't doing the thing that was meant for us. Let's avoid getting caught up in the frustration 
that we may have dedicated a lot of time to something that may not have gone the way we wanted or expected. Some things are for a season. If you've been off track or you've crossed over into a lane that isn't your true calling, chalk it up to experience and move into the passing lane. Chances are good that even if you've been on the wrong path in the wrong lane, you've been learning. Maybe you've learned things you don't want to do, but that still counts as learning. You're not the same person you were when you started. There was a spectator sign roadside for a race that said, the person who starts the race is not the person who finishes the race. I'm so thankful for that, aren't you? Sometimes we may need to repent for doing our own thing. If that's the case, repent and keep moving forward. Throw off that thing that entangles you. Once you've repented and made your course correction, that's not where you hang out anymore. Don't keep looking back. There is no condemnation in Christ, so don't accept that heavy load when the enemy tries to hand it to you. You laid your burden down. You're done there. There is simply not enough time to regret our past and live in our present. Remember, we are throwing that stuff off. It takes courage to make a change, to switch lanes. Like driving in Atlanta, it takes courage to change lanes. Life is moving fast. We can't just come to a screeching halt. We have to keep moving in one direction or another, but we can course correct. Craig Rochelle has one of my favorite quotes, growth and comfort never coexist. I'm going to say that again. Growth and comfort never coexist. The truth is no one wants to be uncomfortable, but everybody wants to be brave. We have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And let's be honest, aren't we already uncomfortable with settling? This could be a career path, our marriage, our friendships, how we see opportunities to encourage people we work with. Yes, that actually can be an amazing opportunity for our own growth as well as for the good of others. Any area of our life where we're choosing to believe for more, where we don't want to leave anything on the table, do not despise small beginnings. And we have to ask, is my fear of what someone else is going to say about my course correction, about my lane change, worth a lifetime of not stepping into what I know in my spirit I'm called to do? Is my fear of disappointing someone else or causing someone to raise an eyebrow at what I'm doing worth always wondering what might have happened if I had followed my calling? Some people may not want to see us make a change because it makes them uncomfortable. Let's step back and do a fair assessment. Do you want to be more like that person? Do you go to that person with really important life decisions and seek their advice? Has that person shown themselves worthy of the trust you're giving them? Have they had consistency in your life? In other words, did they have a history of making good decisions and living a life you admire? Be mindful of who you expose your dreams to. Steve Harvey said, you can't share big dreams with small-minded people. That's not a jab toward anyone, but some people don't understand where we're going yet. Start where you are. Utilize your gifts with the people you're around today. Dale Carnegie said, an old man was asked what had robbed him of his joy in life, and his reply was, things that never happened. There's also a hard reality that sometimes a lane change isn't something we want or even planned for. Sometimes something unexpected happens or someone else did something that forced our need to change our course and it isn't fair and life doesn't look like we thought it would, like we planned. This is a hard reality. And sometimes one of the biggest and few comforts we can find is to trust that there is still purpose, to remember that God isn't surprised by our pain and disappointment. He isn't surprised that we experience something that we didn't feel prepared for, that we don't want any part of, that only He can give us the strength to endure. And there's a hard truth that His plan for our lives extends past His hurt. 
this suffering, this disappointment, this blind side. The truth is, our purpose doesn't change when we go through hard things, because those things were always going to be part of our story. We just didn't know what we didn't know. And out of the hard things will come beautiful, amazing, unexpected things. If we will stand in the truth of who God says we are, there's no set answer that fits all of our circumstances. But I do believe in those places, we learn to just do the next thing, the next small thing, one breath, one step forward into uncharted territory. God told Abraham to go, and then I'll show you what's next. The first step was required before the second step was revealed. We can do the next small thing and dedicate that one small thing to God. And we can always, always, always ask for His peace, which passes anything we can understand. So what else holds us back? Scripture tells us that the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. The enemy wants to remind us of everything we've done wrong so that all of our emotional energy is spent on guilt for our past mistakes or traumas. The tactic of the enemy is to make sure that you do not know who you are in Christ. He will confuse you, mislead you, pack your schedules, overload your to-do list, make you feel guilty that you aren't doing enough or you aren't doing enough things well enough or fast enough. He will ask you, what's your deal? What's your problem? Why can't you keep up? Why can't you get ahead? Anything to distract us from our purpose. Lisa Turker said, the one thing Satan does not want you to do is pray. If he can keep you busy, anxious and distracted enough, If he can keep you off your knees and away from God, then he doesn't care what else you do. So by all means, pray. In your car, wherever you are, keep your communication lines with God open. Now, how do we take what we're learning and run our race? The one we're created for, the one that's meant to have impact, the one that's meant to be our legacy. The Bible has so many stories of course corrections and lane changes, of moving from a life of insignificance to significance. There's a guy in the Bible named Paul. Earlier in scripture, he's referred to as Saul. The story of Paul's life is validation that no one is beyond redemption. Paul was a bad dude. He, and I quote from scripture, intensely persecuted Christians with brutal violence. And he was referred to as a religious extremist and a religious terrorist. He made it his mission to eradicate Christians. He experienced a miraculous conversion while walking on the road to Damascus. You can find all those details in the book of Acts in the Bible, but it was supernatural. It sounds like a pretty wild moment, but it rocked Paul. And he knew he had been going down a path that wasn't meant for him. And when he had his light bulb moment, he grabbed onto this new truth that he had never understood before. And he just started applying what he had learned to his life. He learned a better way, and that day, he started doing a new thing. He went on to write a huge portion of the New Testament and to witness to the masses. He did not let the regrets of formerly running a race that wasn't his to run keep him from doing amazing things when he got in his lane. He just started doing the things he was created to do. The 12 disciples all changed courses. They had jobs that included being fishermen and a tax collector Big course correction, to drop everything and follow Jesus. In the Bible, in the book of Exodus, there's another courageous story of regular people making choices with eternal impact. Pharaoh, due to his overwhelming fear someone might become too powerful in his kingdom, told the midwives to observe when the Israelite moms were giving birth and to kill the baby boys, but to let the baby girls live. 
Exodus chapter 1 says that the midwives feared God and wouldn't do what the king told them to do. They knew their lane and they knew their God. So Pharaoh finds out that the baby boys aren't all being killed at birth, and he changes things up and demands that they be thrown into the Nile River. Talk about an identity crisis of horrific proportion. During this time, there was a mother who chose to hide her baby boy, whom she named Moses, for three months. And when she could hide him no longer, even though culture was telling her to throw him into the river like countless other mothers did, she did this seemingly crazy thing. She put him in a basket and had him placed into the river near where Pharaoh's daughter bathed. And then this incredible story came out of this mom saying, you know, I'm not going to do what everyone else is doing when I know it goes against what I believe in. I am believing for more than I can see. I am believing for immeasurably more. Moses' mother went to great risk to keep her son alive. She didn't know what would become of him, but she knew if she did what the world was telling her to do, disaster would follow. What courage it took to go against what everyone else said was right for her, for her family, for her culture. But she believed her God meant for her to do more. So she took the resources she had, which didn't amount to much, and she used the knowledge she had from just doing life in the sphere of influence she had been given. And because she had courage to do a different thing, she literally changed the world. It's never too late to be the person you're intended to be. Pray and ask God, is there anything in me that distracts me from your best for me? Ask God to search you and know your anxious heart. Ask Him to reveal if there's anything in your heart and the thoughts you think about yourself that offends Him, that don't line up with Scripture, that you need to throw off. What is the sin that so easily entangles you? If your very dearest friend told you that they were struggling with the same thing, what would you say to them? How would you encourage them? And why is it so hard to be that kind to ourselves? What is it that hinders you? If you could sit across the table from Jesus right now, what do you think he would say about it? Really give this some thought. Your perception of how Jesus would respond to you says a lot about how you view him and how you see yourself. Do your thoughts line up with scripture? If the thought of doing a new thing makes you feel afraid, Search scriptures about fear. What does God say? He says it's not him causing that. Don't put up with it. Every good overcomer story is about a course change, a redirection, an assessment of where we are and a desire to do a new thing, a better thing, a bigger thing, the thing we are designed to do. When you're moving toward God's calling on your life, expect opposition. You should actually be surprised if you don't receive it. The enemy isn't going to just sit there and watch you run after God and not try to trip you up. Psalm 25, 4-5 says, Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me. For you are the God who saves me. All day long, I put my hope in you. Brandon Lake has a song called Adoption Song. And a precious listener who is also dear to me sent this song after she listened to the first Choosing Freedom episode. Here are a few of the lyrics which can be turned into a prayer. I renounce the lie that I don't measure up. I renounce the lie I'm unworthy of your love. And when shame comes knocking and fear starts talking, I will lift my hands. In your presence, you remind me who I am. I am adopted. I am beloved. It's my inheritance. I'm a child of God. So when the liar starts mouthing off, I'll sing in confidence my adoption song. 
It's a beautiful song and an incredible reminder that though we have an accuser, an enemy, you are a child of God. You have his inheritance. You are not a victim. You are not alone. You are not in a losing battle. You are equipped with weapons of warfare and you are appointed for his purposes. The world is constantly reminding us of our shortcomings. We must be purposeful in subjecting ourselves to truth. Find somebody who's doing what you want to do and doing it well. Look for that person or that group of people who are pushing forward and striving to accomplish God-sized goals. Even if you think you aren't ready for that yet, see what it's like to be around people who are change makers, who are claiming promises, who are grabbing hold of opportunities. What if for one day we knew we couldn't fail? For one day, whatever we put our time and talents toward would be successful. What would that look like for you? What would you run toward? Bring that to God. Surrender it to Him to do only what He can do. Pray and ask God to multiply your efforts to have eternal impact. Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Claim that over your life. Jesus came to set the captives free, free from the approval of man, free from comparison, free to fulfill your purpose, free to run your race. Choose your lane, claim your identity, live in your freedom. Thank you for listening to the Choosing Freedom podcast. If this episode blessed you, please help others find us. First, we hope you will subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. Then if you're enjoying the show, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. This makes it easier for others to find us and it is a great way for us to get to know a little bit about you. We would also love for you to share this episode with someone you care about. You can follow Choosing Freedom on Instagram and Facebook at Choosing Freedom Podcast and on Twitter at I Chose Freedom 23. If you or someone you know have a testimony that relates to your freedom in Christ and you would like for us to consider reading it on a few future episode, email us at choosingfreedompodcast at gmail.com. We are so grateful for you and look forward to our next time together on the Choosing Freedom Podcast.